Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sisters in Sustainability podcast. I am your host, Victoria Lynn. Week after week, we come back to talk about what women from all across the country are doing to impact the modern sustainable development movement, and this week is no exception. From Florida, we are joined by Amari Harris. Amari, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm super excited to get to chit-chat with you about all of your hard work, but if you wouldn't mind taking a second just to introduce yourself, that'd be great. Hi, everyone. I'm Amari Harris. I'm Miss Florida Gator 2023, and I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. So you talk about getting women into the criminal justice system. Can you tell me where does your passion come when it comes or where is it coming from when it comes to talking about getting women involved in in criminal justice? Okay, so unfortunately, it is a little bit of a sad story. So I do apologize for everybody listening and watching. But when I was in the seventh grade, my aunt was unfortunately taken from us due to a senseless act of gun violence. And that's really where my community service initiative legislate her came from. I overheard things from the attorney that was working with my family and you watch the attorney shows how they can be kind of cold and off-putting and I don't need to explain anything to you I know everything that I need to know but he wasn't like that he was so kind and compassionate and really took the time to explain to everyone that was involved in the situation what was going on and I thought I knew so much at 12 that I was going to go win the case for him he didn't even need to go I knew everything and I was like wow this is so much fun and I just really decided that although that was a tragic situation, I didn't want my tragedy to be tragic and I never wanted anybody else's family to feel that way. There are bad things that happen all the time. That's why we have this amazing criminal justice system. But I feel like attorneys like Mr. Stone and future attorneys like myself that have the passion that want to help people, I want to spark that passion in other people because we need those kind and compassionate people in such a tasking field like the law. So switching gears a little bit, you know, every week we talk about a sustainable development goal and, you know, I've I've had the privilege of going through your social media and learning a little bit about who you are and and the mission that you're, you're talking about. And of course, um, I want to thank you for sharing your story because it is one that is heavy, you know, loss in general is, is very hard to deal with, but violent loss is it's unexcusable and it's unacceptable. And so to be able to turn loss into light is I think a skill that not everybody has. It's not something that I have ever had to do. And so people like you who have, you know, suffered these kinds of losses and have been able to turn them into not a positive thing, but make a positive outcome out of them are are really beautiful. So I thank you um, for, for making this your mission. Um, But we're going to be looking at sustainable development goal 16 which is peace, justice, and safe institutions. And we talked a little bit about this last season on the Sisters in Sustainability when we were joined uh, by Shakira Jackson. She is a an aspiring presidential candidate. And so we had the ability to talk about it through the lens of what it means to create legislation. But in your circumstance, you know, you're talking about getting women into legislation and, and encouraging women to be advocates for issues, obviously, both in the criminal justice system, and then I would say likely outside of that and in whatever their passions are, uh, this goal really focuses on creating a more inclusive environment when it comes to politics. And unfortunately, I think I speak on behalf of everybody when we say we don't really see that in politics anymore. And as 
great as our criminal justice systems are, you know, we do see the need for reform in our justice systems. So how are you working to encourage women to take a role in criminal justice? I think that this is so amazing because I actually just got into collaborating with an organization called Democracy, which is a program for high school girls, so 9th through 12th grade, that talks about self-selecting. So when I got to speak to, I want to say that she's like the president or the CEO, but I know she is like the head director. I don't know her exact title, but she's an amazing woman. Her name is Sarah. And we kind of talked about that girls are less likely to self-select into fields like this. And democracy is all politics. It's all young women that see themselves holding some kind of public office. And I think that that's amazing because our young men are encouraged from a very young age to kind of just go and do what they feel like they want to do. Whereas women, we often need a support system around us. We want, we want people to be as excited as we are about our goals. So getting them at that young age where they're starting to think about what they want to go to college for, what kind of careers they're looking into. It's really amazing to see how they light up because they've never met anybody that was interested in politics the way that they were interested in politics, or maybe they thought that it was a field that um, they wouldn't find a support system in. But democracy is a nationwide support system, which is amazing. They're meeting girls from Florida to Utah. And they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that that was happening in Utah. And now we got women talking about national level politics. And I think that that's going to start setting the curve so that more women start to run for office. And we start to see the things that we want to see out of our public figures. I think that's a great point. I think we've seen a lot of shift in terms of women stepping into industries where they may not have felt that they belonged or or knew that they belonged, but didn't feel that they could step into. I work in um, marketing and business, and and right now I'm stepping into the startup culture uh, in the United States, which is exciting and also really scary. And I've seen a lot of statistics that women and minorities, especially people of color, you know, are less likely to apply for a job if they don't meet 100% of the qualifications, but cisgendered white men will apply for everything and just throw their hat out there. So I think to have women, period, who are working to create spaces where women can step into is really awesome. And and then, of course, to have women of color and and just a diverse group of people encouraging people to to take that step is awesome. Um, Now, you, you shared your story of losing your aunt. And so gun violence is very obviously a huge topic in the United States. You know, we suffered the loss of Sandy Hook, Columbine many, many years ago. What can we do as people, you know, and as women um, in the Miss America organization or women in general, or just people in general to advocate for a, a decrease in violence or what is there that can be done in terms of making sure that events like the loss of your aunt don't happen again? I think it's really about teaching people about gun safety for a very long time after I lost my aunt. I lost my aunt at like, I want to say 12 or 13 years old. And I was absolutely terrified of firearms, absolutely terrified of them. Didn't want to be around them, didn't want to hear them, didn't want to do even to the point where sometimes fireworks scared me because it sounded like a gun. And it wasn't until my 20th birthday where I finally just decided that I didn't want to be afraid of them anymore, that I wanted to learn 
how to use them safely because there is a safe way to use them. And in America, we do have our second amendment, right? Where everybody is allowed to own a firearm as long as they go through the proper precautions. I think that each and every weapon needs to be registered to a person. We need to have our ID numbers. People need to go through the classes. You need to learn how to take the gun apart, put the gun together, what it really means to hold that gun in your hand. Cause truly you're holding somebody's life in your hand if it's misused. So when I finally took it upon myself to go to the gun range and learn, I learned that they're not scary if you use them in the proper way. Obviously I was shooting a piece of paper because I was at a gun range, um, but it's not as scary as you think that they are. But I believe that if we really advocate for proper registration and proper teaching on how to use the weapons, we'll start to see these violent acts become less frequent. There are cases like the school shootings where the guns were obtained legally. I personally do not believe that an 18-year-old needs a gun like that. I don't believe that an 18-year-old should be able to have access to a weapon of that caliber. And I think that if we really look at what kind of weapons normal everyday citizens could use, and they start to put restrictions on the on the heavy arsenal. We don't need military grade weapons on our streets. We're not at war. <laughs> and even if we were, we have a military and they can handle the big weapons. But I think that teaching people how not to be afraid of them, how to use them properly, getting everybody registered so that in the event that a violent act does occur and it is the result of a gun or gun violence or a firearm of any means, you can track it back to the proper owner. And even if it wasn't that person in the situation, you can then figure out who was responsible, but just the proper training. And I don't, I don't really like what's been happening in my state with the loosening of the gun restrictions, because I think that it just allows people who don't really need guns to get guns. And I understand that everybody has a right to own a firearm. I am in no means anti-Second Amendment. Everybody has the right to own a firearm. I just believe that we need to go about it safely. I think that's a great point. Um, I, I say that all the time. I'm a big proponent for the First Amendment. Obviously, I'm involved in journalism in some way. And so if I'm a, a proponent for one, I have to be a proponent for them all. And I agree, you know, it's unfortunate. It is our second amendment. Everybody, if you want one, you should have one, but I agree, you know, people need to know how to use them and recognize the consequences that do have, or do come from having them. And, mm -hmm. um, but that's a whole other discussion for a whole other right. day. Uh, but sticking with legislation, you know, if you had to propose a piece of legislation that, uh, today that would be passed 100%, what would it be? The overturning of HB 999. <laughs> I, I spoke on the floor of the Florida House against this bill, and unfortunately it was passed. It was basically, the summarization of it involved tenure of university professors, which I did not read that closely into it because I'm not a tenured professor and it doesn't really affect me. It affects me because I'm a college student, but that's not the part that I was focusing on. I was focusing more on um, the restriction of state funding for inclusion, equity, and diversity areas. So I go to the University of Florida. Well, I went to the University of Florida. I graduated this spring. I need to. <laughs> I went to the University of Florida. And while I was a student there, I was involved in things like Black Student Union. I was on the Black Student Union's homecoming court both years that I was there. I was the secretary of Black Women Leaders in Law, a 
student ambassador for the Office of Black Student Engagement through the Center of Inclusion and Multicultural Affairs. And programs like that are at risk with this bill. We have, it's so vague. We have no idea what's going on with it really. And the students that rely on those student ambassador positions, because we got paid for those. I got paid a pretty penny to sit at that desk and do my homework. So I, I really liked that job. And I think that it's kind of upsetting because I do go to a PWI, which means a predominantly white institution, that when we do have those spaces as minority students, to see them at risk of being taken away, it's kind of disheartening. We've had the Institute of Black Culture long before I've been at the University of Florida. I didn't even see the original building because by the time I got there, they renovated the whole thing and it looks completely different. And my great uncle, George Allen, was the first African-American person to graduate from the University of Florida Law School. And I, I see those things and I see these amazing accomplishments that our school recognizes. He's on the timeline wall and the Institute of Black Culture and it's amazing but I I think that it's sad to see things like in PHC which is the organ the council for the D9s which is the predominantly black sororities and fraternities and then fraternities and sororities in the MGC which is like Latinx and Asian and Pacific Islander that have their own fraternities and sororities. And I just think that it's it's kind of sad. So if I could pass any legislation, it would be to get rid of that because I don't think that we already don't get a lot of money. The center, I've, I've heard many times our director say, we really don't get a lot of money, guys. We need to call our alumni. <laughs> so to get the little bit of state funding that we do have to have that put at risk, I think it's kind of disheartening. And I, I want to see these programs thrive. So I would get rid of that for sure. So switching gears a little bit, we obviously know each other through the Miss America organization. And I think, um, I think I speak on behalf of everybody who's been on this podcast and saying that we've been offered opportunities because of it that we probably never would have had the opportunity to do had it not been for Miss America. So tell me, how did you find your way into the Miss America organization? So I actually wanted to do, this is going to be like a long tangent again, and I'm so sorry, guys. I was obsessed with Toddlers and Tears, which has absolutely nothing to do with the Miss America organization. It just is pageants. And I told my mom and I said, mom, I think I want to be a pageant girl. And my mom said, no. So then... <laughs> So then I just, I just, I practiced my walking and I practiced my smiling. And when I got into high school, my high school did Mr. and Miss Atlantic High School. So I did Mr. and Miss Atlantic High School and I lost. <laughs> I was the first runner up. I literally won every award except the title. And then I was like, dang, but I really wanted to do another pageant. So when I got into high school, I did Miss Crimson and Cream, which is the, it's a fraternity pageant. So the Kappa Psi Fraternity Incorporated, our chapter at the University of Florida is Zeta Phi. They host the Miss Crimson and Cream pageant. And I did that and I was really excited and I lost. I was their first runner up. <laughs> and I saw a flyer in Turlington Hall for a Miss Gainesville. And I was like, I could be Miss Gainesville. That sounds pretty fun. I'm like, why not? Just, just go and do it. And I talked to my mentor, who is the current Miss Black Florida USA. I get to go watch her do nationals. I'm really excited to do that. And she just told me, why not? Go for it. She 
was like, you need to look up the Miss America organization. You need to look up everything about them. Why do you want to be a part of the Miss America organization? And when I went to Miss Gainesville, I had no idea what I was getting into or that the pageant bug would bite me and that I would compete six times before I won Miss Florida Gator. But I absolutely fell in love with everybody that was there. And the girl who just won Miss Florida's teen, her name is Anna Catherine Rosvaldo and her mom, her mom is the reason I stayed in this organization because when I, she won Miss Gainesville's teen and then obviously went on to win Miss Florida's teen. I'm so incredibly proud of her. She's going to be a baby gator next year. And I cannot wait to watch her on the football field as a dazzler. But her mom came up after, after the pageant to me and said, please tell me you're going to compete again. And I said, well, I don't know, because I, I thought they were fun, but I really had no idea just how many opportunities I would be granted through this organization. She was like, no, you have to do it again. You speak so well. You form so well. I want to see you at Miss Florida. And I said, okay, mom. And so I looked up our schedule and I just kept competing until I was granted the opportunity to go to Miss Florida. And I have made lifelong friends there. Miss South Florida literally came I want to say two weeks ago, because one of the fraternities was doing like a back to school social thing. So she just came down here with me, spent the whole weekend with me and we went to their back to school thing. I'm still in contact with my roommate from Miss Florida. The girl who just won Miss Florida, her name is Juliette Valle. I absolutely love her. I talk to her almost every day, either through DMing her Instagram or texting her. We still talk. The class of 2023 at Miss Florida is still in that group chat. Like we're preparing for the pageant. So I just think that it's so amazing. You meet so many different people. I've never been to Pennsylvania. And here I am talking to a Pennsylvania title holder. So it's really cool. The connections that you make just from being a local title holder. It's funny that you should mention Miss South Florida because I had the privilege of meeting her right before she competed. Um, I did a six-month fellowship in Florida with Girl Scouts, so I had considered competing for Miss Florida. Pennsylvania is where I belong. Pennsylvania is my home. Pennsylvania are my girls. And so I, while I would have loved to have been at Miss Florida with you guys, I'm very grateful to have been at Miss Pennsylvania. Um, I got to watch my best friend become Miss Pennsylvania, which is super exciting. But I totally know what you mean in terms of that sisterhood and that feeling of it doesn't matter that there's a competition. It doesn't matter that all these, all these things are going on around you. It really is an organization built on women supporting women. And Right now, um, as we are recording this episode, there is there is a uh, documentary coming out about the Miss America organization, <laughs> which is not painting us in a very flattering light. And so I think um, what a big goal for this podcast has always been is to not only talk about sustainability and not only give other women the opportunity to talk about their community service initiative, but to talk about what this organization means to all of the women that are in it. Uh, and so if there is somebody who's listening to this podcast that watched that documentary and might be thinking, I'm going to listen to this podcast to see what it's really like, this is what it's like. We are two women who were complete strangers, and I am very fortunate that um, that you've decided to join me and, and become a part of the Sisters in Sustainability Sisterhood. And I'm glad that I get to call you a Miss America sister as well. So for those who are at home and might be doubting it, this is what the sisterhood is. Uh, but what comes next for you in your Miss America journey? I am actually taking a break, which is really sad. Only, only because I promise I will be back only because 
I am in the middle of applying for law school and I don't know where I'm going to be. So I don't want to compete for another Miss Florida local title, win the title, go to Miss Florida, have the possibility of winning Miss Florida. Meanwhile, I got accepted to a school in New York. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to carry a title and not be able to carry the responsibility of it as well. But in the meantime, I'm doing mock interviews and I'm practicing my talent. I'm practicing my walk and speaking on sisterhood. I, everybody is sad, of course, because everybody wants to win their state. Everybody wants to be Miss America. That's the entire journey of this process. No matter how many times and how many years you've been in the organization, this is my first year and I've had an amazing time. But when I made, I made the top 16 at Miss Florida my first year. That was, I cried. <laughs> but when I went backstage to change into my fitness, because for Miss Florida, we did our onstage question in our opening number dress and then had to run backstage and get changed for fitness. All of the girls in my dressing room that everybody is dying to be the new Miss Florida, but all of the girls in my dressing room that did not make the top 16 had one of them had my shoes that were already unlaced one of them had my bra like my glittery sports bra that I had to put on for fitness the other one had my leggings somebody else had my socks somebody else had spray adhesive and was gluing my clothes onto me because you know when you walk like your leggings roll down and I walked back into that dressing room and I was like oh y'all are on it it did not matter when I got cut from the top 16, when they moved on to the top 10, we did the same thing for our girls that were in the top 10. We did the same thing for our girls that were in the top five. And everybody's sad. Obviously, the goal was to be Miss Florida. The goal was to move on to compete at Miss America. But in that moment, you're so excited for your friends that you're not really sad yet. It doesn't hit you until you go back home with your family. And you go, dang, <laughs> I really did win. <laughs> But when you're in the moment, you're like, you're disappointed because obviously the goal is to win, but you're also so excited. That's why I told my family that it was just a slew of emotions every time I had to compete for a local title. I was sad because I didn't win, but I was very happy for the girl that did. And I think that's because we all know that each and every one of those women is just so deserving. And I just think that it's so amazing. But you, there's a upside and a downside to everything. Obviously I can't speak on being a state title holder yet, yet um and I know that they have bigger responsibilities Juliet is busy every day I don't think that that girl has not done something every day since she's been crowned Florida so I think that it's really amazing just the opportunities that you're granted and I can't speak on the documentary yet because I haven't watched it I I'm, I'm a binge person so I wanted to watch everything all together <laughs> You're not going to catch me watching this documentary. I'm not giving them views. I'm not letting them make money off of me watching it. I'm really nosy. That's the only thing. I'm so nosy. I can't like hear people talk about it and then go, did you watch it? And I'm like, no. You got to know. You got to be in the know. It'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to see what people think about it. I'm hoping a lot of people know that it's, it's a, I hope people watch it from the frame of the Miss America organization is not bad, but we had a bad CEO and I'm praying that that's what people recognize. It's just like, it's the same issue that Miss USA went through um, when Donald Trump was their CEO or owner or whatever the heck he was. I don't even know being creepy, watching yeah, 13 year old girls change, whatever, neither here nor there. That's not what I'm here to talk about today. Um, but to anybody who does watch it, I implore you to, you know, remember the women in this organization were victims of a really 
unfortunate circumstance where we had a male leader who didn't respect women, period. Um, but anyway, we don't need to talk about that or dwell on some sad things. But what is a sad thing is unfortunately, our interviewing is coming to an end. And so I do have one last question for you before we leave. And that is, how? what is one piece of advice that you would give to a young person who wants to create positive change in the world? I think I've always been an advocate of being the representation that I didn't have when I was younger. I have nieces, I have cousins, I have sisters that for a very long time, I did not believe my parents or my older sister when they said, you need to watch what you do and watch what you say, because these young girls look up to you. And I go, no, they don't. Like, I'm just me. Nobody really cares what I have to say or what I'm doing, but they do. They look at you and they mimic the things that you're doing. So if you want to see positive change in the world, you have to be that positive change yourself. And I think that that starts with the young girls that are in your life. I don't know if you saw the picture or not already, but all of the little babies in the purple, when I, those are two of them were my nieces the rest of them are my cousins and then the picture of the girl by herself that's my 13 year old sister and they are my reason why because I have my mom and I have a lot of amazing women in my family that are role models in their own way but nobody wants to pursue law and politics in my family the way that I want to pursue law and politics I am the first person in my family to be a Miss America title holder period and I believe that by adventuring into different roads that you may not have even seen for yourself, you're creating pathways for the younger generations. You're competing, you're, com you're creating pathways for the girls in your family that you don't even know are looking at you. So positive change comes from being a positive change. I love that. It comes from being a positive change. Well, thank you. Gosh, just thank you so much for, for being vulnerable with us and for sharing your story and for talking about some really difficult topics with us. And of course, for being my Miss America sister. And I'm so excited that I've had the opportunity to meet with you today. And, and I'm going to be cheering for you, whether you're competing in Florida, New York, California, wherever the heck it is you decide to go and end up. And I'm so excited to see and continue watching your Miss America journey. But to our listeners back at home, you can learn more about Imari's mission by following her on Instagram at Miss Florida Gator 2023. Learn more about how you can help achieve the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals by following us on Instagram at Sisters in Sustainability Podcast and at Sustainability Starts With You. Join the hashtag SysPodNation today and remember that sustainability really does start with you. Thanks for listening.